Welcome to this week's episode of Everyday Thin Places. I'm Rachel Gallagher, and I'm an interfaith hospice chaplain. And I'm Elizabeth Ferrasso, and I'm a birth doula. And in each episode of Everyday Thin Places, we draw from our experiences supporting birthing people and dying people to explore with honesty, authenticity, and humor how we can all become more truly living people. All right, so we have reached our fourth and final episode in this series of the four elements. We have talked about air, we have talked about water and fire, and now we are going to talk about earth today. And I am so excited about this guest. I know I say that about everyone. I'm just, (laughs) I'm generally excited about great humans, but I'm really excited that we got to have this conversation with Krista Barfield, who might also be known as. Farmer John. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about that name. But Krista is uh, the founder, the owner of the Viva Leaf Tea Company and Farmer John Greenhouses right here in Philadelphia. She took some time to talk to us today. And I mean, Rachel, what do we even say about this awesome conversation? (laughs) It was so much fun to talk to her. I mean, I don't think that when most people think of Philadelphia that farming and uh, locally grown produce is really the first thing on their mind. No, unless you're thinking of like locally <laughs> grown cheesesteaks. Right, right, right. But what she is doing is just so inspiring. Um, she has a vision to really kind of change the landscape of how Philadelphians and urban people think about their food and what they're putting in their bodies. And um Yeah, I don't want to say too much because our interview with her uh, was so great. And she did such a good job of explaining um, what she's doing with Farmer John. Um, So we'll just let her speak for herself. So Krista, welcome to Everyday Thin Places. And first things first, um, there's something that you probably don't need to explain to anybody who's listening to this podcast who lives in Philadelphia, but probably that we need to explain for our non-Philadelphian listeners. We want to talk to you about your relationship with the soil of our earth as a farmer, but first, you need to tell us why um, why Farmer John. Yeah, so... Um Farmer John. So essentially, John is, is person, place, or thing. It's a very Philadelphia-esque term. Um, and I coined it Farmer John because it kind of, I want to empower people to know that anybody can do this, right? So like anybody can become a farmer. Anybody can um, do that. It's just about learning how to manipulate soil or reading books. And you can do anything when it comes to, you know, soil and growing and things like that. So being as though John is a very general term, I just applied it and mixed it with farmer, and it, and it sounds cool at the end of the day. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, John is like that John over there. Right. could be like that person over there or that place, like that house over there or that thing, that John. Yeah. It's just Paperclip, it's such a Philly Q-tip, thing. Yeah, <laughs> hand me that John. Yeah. I remember the first time I took some Philly kids to like, I gave them a ride to camp, and I was like, I had never heard the word John so many times in my life. And that was my first introduction. But I love it's like a thing that has been a little more mainstream in Philly now. So I like that people are going to recognize it as being distinct. What you're doing is distinctly Philly and very also like universally accessible to anybody. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's great. (laughs) 
so clever. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your background. Like, how did you even come to be a farmer? Like, is this something you always knew you wanted to do when you were a kid? How did this come to be? Yeah, um, it actually, all out of the blue, the long and short of it really is, is that I worked in healthcare for 10 years and um, I have a degree in healthcare administration and I always wanted to go to school and, and be in healthcare, whether it was going to be a clinician or some form or fashion, because I grew up around healthcare. My mom is a, a nurse, nail doctor. Um, my sister is a nurse. So it was like, okay, you're, de- you're definitely going to do healthcare. Straight out of high school, I went to <laughs> college and uh, had a degree in biology or had a um, course, courses in biology, because that's what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to transfer that over to becoming a doctor or a physician assistant or, or a nurse or something. Um, and then after a couple of those classes, I was like, okay, so this wasn't it. <laughs> I know I love science. I'm super passionate about science, life science specifically. So I knew it was something that I was supposed to do and I thought I was just supposed to be around it. So got the degree in healthcare administration, worked in at admin for 10 years finally get to the management aspect of healthcare and realize that it was not for me. And that ironically enough that uh, me wanting to take help take care of other people's health, I wasn't taking care of my own. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. really just because of how stressful the job was. I worked in a practice that is one of the largest, most prestigious practices in the world. Uh, we saw over 200 patients a day. The practice had 23 physicians and I had about six to 10 employees on any given day. So with all that type of stress, uh, I realized that I wasn't healthy, my household wasn't healthy, and that I needed to make a change. And being a mom of two, I not only serve as an example, but I'm everything for them. Like, I have to be able to function after I leave my job. I need to go home to be able to do that other job. (laughs) And so I was finding myself unable to do that uh, in a healthy way. I was sad. I just mentally wasn't there. And so I knew I needed to make a change. Uh, and that's what I did. So it, actually, January 2018, I resigned from my job. I actually didn't have any other plans set, nothing in place, um, literally just with the savings that I had. I already had a car, I had a house, and I had these two children. And I'm like, I'm just going to make it work. Like, I'm going to switch to this gig mentality. I'm going to drive Uber, I'm going to drive Lyft, I'm going to shop for people's groceries. I want to let I rented out a room in my home as an Airbnb. I was like, whatever I have to do to make this work while I figure things out, this is going to be 10 times healthier than me stressing every single day, working 14 hours a day and then not being nice to my kids when I get home. (laughs) (laughs) So. um, So, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Uh, So January 2018 was also my birth month. I turned 30 that that year. And on January 2nd, I came into work. I resigned from my job. Gave them three weeks notice. January 23rd, I was on a plane to Martinique by myself. Uh, I call it my eat, pray, love vacation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really where I was able to just think things through and kind of just like recenter myself. And I had no idea what to that I was going to get just a wealth of knowledge and ideas and inspiration while I was there. Um, But the very first Airbnb that I had chosen just so happens to be a Thai chef who made me breakfast each morning and he made me a cup of tea utilizing fresh herbs from his garden. And this is something I had never seen before. I grew up in inner city. 
I'm like, okay, this is this is really cool. Like I know tea bags. <laughs> I'm used to, <laughs> you know, the regular tea bags that you would get from a store, but not understanding the connection of these herbs that he's growing in his own garden and the direct connection to my health. And so I'm like, this is amazing. All these like healing compounds that are in there. I'm just, I'm blown away. So I'm like, okay, for the first two days that I was on my vacation, I had that experience um, of having these fresh herbal teas. And then I went on to my next Airbnb uh, where I spent the majority of my time. And I, they, it just so happened to be owned by these, these black farmers who live there. And they took me to their land and they also took me to see how they packaged boxes of fresh produce that they had just picked that day. And mm-hmm. they also had their CSA members come pick it up. It just was it was a wild experience because all of these things I had never seen. I never knew. But to know that to come back home and realize that we had our own CSAs in Philadelphia and in around Philadelphia um, was it told me that that's an issue for me, that I feel like I'm a pretty well educated person and I'm not closed minded. I just so happen to live in the city. I am black. And I feel like that's a problem that I didn't know (laughs) that a CSA existed, that farmers grow food. This is how they sustain their farms because they have members, like all of that type of thing. And I'm like, they are literally bringing fresh produce to individuals in their communities. Um, And I'm like, I need to do something like this. So essentially what I did, I came back home, did some planning, and I took both of those experiences, one with the tea and the other with the farmers, and I kind of combined them and created their own separate entities as well as uh, join them together, join forces under this brand uh, I call Life Leaf Organic Farms, which is the parent company of both. And I think it's probably just in maybe the past five or so years that I even heard of the term CSA or, you know, had neighbors that were going up to pick pick up their boxes from the CSA. So I think we probably have listeners who don't really know what that is. Can you explain a little bit better what yeah, that definitely. is? Yeah, definitely. So CSA, it means community-supported agriculture. And specifically, that is exactly what you're doing. So a person that lives in a neighborhood where a farm is, um, or a farm essentially is utilizing the help of its members, these persons who now become a part of the farm's family, um, because they are utilizing their funds to be able to grow for the upcoming season. So, um, and it's really helpful. It's helpful for both parties because the farm has now this working capital that they can use to grow for their members, but also grow for the, the community and whatever other projects they have lined up. And at the same time, the member is also receiving this fresh food where, you know, the organs are traced are traceable, which is very important. Um, people knowing where their food comes from. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's just a thing that a lot of people don't know. So, yeah, I just in a book that I was just reading, one of the uh, remarks that was made was that, you know, you can in the middle of a snowstorm in Wisconsin in January, you could go to a 24 hour Walmart and grab a tomato and you have no idea where it came from. It's not the right season. It's not anything like that. And just, we have this disconnection from our food, which means we have a disconnection from our like origins of coming from the earth. And um, I love the idea that there's this, financial and emotional and mental buy-in of investing and understanding where your food comes from. Yeah, it's a personal investment and most people don't 
what people take seriously um, more than anything, including their health, is their money. So I feel like when you can actually have a person, when you understand what you're investing into and you understand that it is for the greater good of, of yourself and for your community, um, then it makes spending that money a little bit easier. Um, so one of the big interests of our podcast in particular is that we are sort of always paying attention to where cycles of birth and death um, or beginnings and endings, especially endings that lead to new beginnings, can be observed around mm-hmm. us. So can you tell us ways that maybe you see cycles of birth and death in this process of growing food? Yeah, that's such a cool question, Elizabeth. <laughs> I absolutely love it because um, I talk about this a lot. Um, so there's these there's two major issues right now uh, in the world, but especially in metropolitans like Philadelphia. One is uh, food insecurity branching off of food injustice, and the other is food waste. Um, both are major, major issues, definitely exacerbated because of the pandemic and for both of them. And so... With food insecurity, there's just not enough food options that are healthy and organic, um, that are without chemicals and that are in season in urban communities. Um, Food waste, there's just a ton of it uh, all over the place, but specifically in not even just marginalized communities, but everyone because of our understanding of how we're programmed to look at food. Basically what you just said, like things that are not in season, Plants like broccoli, where literally 70% of it is thrown away, only 30% of it is utilized. Uh, That broccoli crown only serves as a small portion. And the leaves that encompass it, all the stalks, uh, are also edible and that gets thrown away and wasted. So what we strive to do is that when we grow food, we introduce people to the entire food. The food as as it's meant to be. And then anything that is considered food waste, that is a scrap, I would say, a food scrap. Um, So with food waste, there's a way to turn that into soil so that it can be utilized for new food. Um, So it's a symbiotic relationship that I'm developing a program around. And it starts with creating a CSA specifically for food insecure families. We have a 5,000 square foot greenhouse that we're growing, um, that we plan to grow a multitude of food, 365 days. That's all uh, going towards a subsidized or free CSA for families who can't afford organic food. Mm. And we plan to teach people um, how they can utilize the scraps of that food to bring it back to us so that we can compost it and turn it into soil. Uh, So it's like kind of like once something is finished, you're finished with this. Uh, apple, the, the, maybe if you peel your apple or you're finished with the leaves on the stalks from a rainbow shard or a kale, um, you put that in a compost bin, you bring it back to us, and we'll turn it into soil that, that can be utilized for the next things that we grow. That is so, I mean, it's, it's inspiring. And to know that you're right around the corner from us is like, I'm just like invigorated by yeah. all of this. <laughs> this is so cool. Yeah. And we are, I mean, we're like so appreciative of the things that you're doing um, to provide equity and equality. Um, Can you talk a little bit more of that? Like how, um, you don't have to get into the nitty gritties of the finances, but how does it all kind of work together um, to support itself? Yeah, so my idea, and and it is an idea, it is something that I've written out and I truly believe it'll work if everyone has 
everyone's best interest in mind. Um, so I'd like to be able to be able to offer the produce that we're going to grow in this greenhouse to families that are food insecure. And then I would also like the people that are patrons of Farmer John uh, to subscribe to the, to this composting service. We're actually in the process of um, working with some architects that are um, building some composting bins in the back of Farmer John. So it'll be a large, about 1,200 square feet of all compost bins that will be used to as a community composting site. Mm. So the idea I have is that people will patronize Farmer John, and then the next week when they come back for their, their next set of produce for the week, they're bringing me a bucket of food scraps as well. And the subscription may be about between 18 to $20 a month of us taking their food scraps each week and processing them. Um, and that money that's utilized, that's given during that subscription service will then also help to fund the production of what's going on in this greenhouse. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it'll just work together, that symbiotic relationship of having, being able to produce new food, u- utilizing the waste from the food that was used, and then using that money to fund uh, this greenhouse that we're continually pumping food out of. So it's just kind of cool. It's like literally a whole circle on, and everything's traceable and everything can be seen. And, and also people coming to donate their time and, and all of that, the same people that are buying it, the same people are receiving it are all working together to keep this greenhouse mm-hmm. going. I love that. I mean, I, you're speaking about it in a really practical way to say that nothing is wasted, but I think like in a metaphorical way in all of life to um I think that's a bold claim to say that nothing is wasted that that to look at our lives and to look at um things that would be sort of not useful to us or we wish we could do without or you just had like you know you wish you could just have the pretty perfect um produce that's already sliced and diced and presented to you on the table instead of like getting your hands dirty to grow it and you know realizing that it takes some work to say you know this is the useful part and this part is going to now become useful because I'm going to put it back into the process of death to create rich soil like that's um that's a beautiful thing in practice but it also like it makes me think really hard about my life our life Mm -hmm. our city like even what parts of our city can we say potentially that, um, you know, nothing's wasted. I imagine that you probably feel like your backgrounds, even um, to, to have all those administrative skills to be running um, a, a huge organization of that, um, of that health office that you yes. were working in, you probably even that experience wasn't wasted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you've like composted that right into your, your new <laughs> That's life. That's so as, true. I like the, I like the as a farmer. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. It's such a beautiful, like tangible way to really look at the cycles, the cycles of life. Like, I don't, I can't really think of a more um, tangible example of that than you know, farming and gardening and, um, yeah, yeah me like either. I'm like, earth. I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's like the ultimate recycle, um, yeah. or upcycle. <laughs> it's, it's ultimate mm-hmm. because, um, it's just really important for, for people to have just a better connection to food. And that, that's the, that's the real life cycle of food. Like there is no trash. There's no, there's, there's really no such thing as food trash, <laughs> Um, because it can all be utilized for the most part. There's very few things that you can't 
you can't use certain thing items, but for the most part, we can utilize everything. Those leaves that are falling from the tree, it's fall time, autumn season. Those leaves that are falling from the trees are going to, we can use that in compost. Um, you know, those wood, any types of wood or dead, dead trees, so to speak, we can go ahead and take that and put that into wood, make, create wood shavings and use it in compost. So there's really, we can just utilize so much more as a society, as, a, as on earth um, that we're not right now. And mm-hmm. we could be changing so many issues as far as like earth dying. I've heard a lot of people say like the earth is um, having a lot of issues uh, regenerating and so forth, but we can do so much more to save our planet um, with composting and, and, and just, you know, being mindful of what we're eating. Yeah. And I think um, I noticed from looking at your, your website, you're doing a lot of teaching too. You're getting a lot of people. You're not just like having people show up and get their box and pay their money and leave and come back, but that you're doing a lot of teaching. What are What are some of the things that you're teaching or what are some of the I mean, I guess give a tease because anybody in the Philadelphia area could sign yeah, up honestly, for those classes. Yeah, right? we have people in classes and down south. We have people also in classes in um, different regions. So you don't technically have to be here. You can be anywhere mm. all over the world as long as you have an Internet connection. Um, cool. For now, we go live on Instagram every Wednesday at 930. And we're actually just wrapping mm-hmm. up our fall garden grow along. And it's been a really cool experience so far. Um it's just interesting to see, to know that people literally have no idea how to grow anything. Uh, and we just want to be able to, to help people with all of the, this being scared <laughs> um, <laughs> that they might kill a plant. You, you don't have to have a green thumb. I literally grew nothing mm-hmm. prior to uh, deciding that I was going to become a farmer. I just decided I was just <laughs> going to do it. Um, and I had no experience at all. I never grew a thing. I, I, me touching dirt was honestly not my favorite thing ever. So... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's just very, we are wanting to educate people because that's, that's the most important part. Ignorance is why, um, people think that they can't do anything. So it's just Mm -hmm. not knowing. So what Farmer John strives to do is empower people to take control of the sustainability of their, their own region, their own area. Um, we just have so many ideas on how to do that on a larger scale, but small scale starts with you growing your own food and knowing where your food comes from and not having to be so heavily reliant on these larger food systems such as supermarkets and and especially taking the emphasis off of these bodegas and corner stores um, where a lot of people, especially in marginalized communities, black and brown communities, are getting their food from on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get them away from that. I want people to move away from going to get a bag of chips. Instead of going to get a bag of chips, how about you have this apple here? Then you can actually have your own apple tree. There's a way to do that um, in the city. And so teaching container gardening is the one thing that we're definitely going to roll into. Like living in the city, my backyard is completely concrete. It's about 10 by 10. Mm -hmm. It's not large at all. Um, so I mm-hmm. took that 10 by 10 backyard and put a four by six greenhouse back there. So something very tiny. And that's how I started to grow. Um, but you don't even mm-hmm. have to have a large greenhouse or any greenhouse. You can just start with containers. So, yes, education is key. And we're just going to start, you know, pumping people full of information and having it available mm-hmm. on our website and our social media outlets. Yeah, I think maybe the other end of things that people get intimidated by is that sometimes when you, if you're a part of a CSA, you get 
vegetables and fruits and, and things that you're like, I don't know what this is and I don't know how to cook it and I don't know what to do with that. Do you, have you uh, for yourself, you know, learned some things that you're passing on to other people or do you, does your, um, do any of your classes sort of help people to navigate that? Yeah. So we actually work with a, we work with a few private chefs, uh, which is really mm-hmm. important to us because we understand that a lot of people don't know how to work with things like sour melons, sour melon, or bitter melons. I always say sour melons. It's bitter melon, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is this spiky looking cucumber that is its origins from India. And we can grow it here. And it has really funky flavors if you try to eat it raw, which is what I did originally. And mm-hmm. then I quickly learned that that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> um, so honestly, it all stems goes back to education. And yes, we do plan on doing future classes and um, via our live stream to show people how to um, cook with certain things. Um, right now, every mm-hmm. other Saturday, we have a cook a live cooking demonstration with a, a local area chef that comes and she. It's L.A. Prepped. Her name is Lauren Arnold. She's amazing. And what she does is she literally shops for the market like anybody else would. And then she goes and she creates a meal. And not all the time mm-hmm. she doesn't know what she's cooking ahead of time. Typically, that's the case. Uh, so she's literally going into the market to shop and she brings the items back to the table and the cooktop. And then she just starts preparing. And then you're able wow. to come and taste and sample. And then after that, we provide recipes. Um, so that you you can go ahead and recreate that at home. And uh, yeah, it's been great. And each every CSA comes with recipes each and every week um, for the CSA specifically. So whether you're a CSA member or if you're just shopping with us, we always like to have something that's out of the norm and we provide recipes so that you know what to do with it, which is important. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, for me, that's one of the most exciting things about a CSA. Um, but so I, w- I became a member of a CSA, gosh, probably like over 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Good for you. That's and so I was great. just, <laughs> it was, it was, um, I feel like it really pushed me because I was just kind of learning how to cook at the same time. So it was an endeavor. Um, and I would get things in my box and have no idea what they were, what to do with them. Um, but I felt like that was kind of the excitement of it. It was like yes. a little surprise mm-hmm. every week and um, a little challenge. It was like Chopped. Yeah. You've seen the show Chopped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can create your own Chopped by becoming a member of a CSA That's because true. there's always going to be some sort of surprise in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, turn that, um, you know intimidation into excitement yeah yeah yeah. and I always say to people um that don't know what a CSA is it is important that you are willing to cook um because a lot Mm -hmm. of members I've I've seen some people get CSAs but they actually don't even cook and a CSA is Mm -hmm. is really meant for people who are who are going to get in the kitchen whether um and I, I like to look at it as like a family experience right so like we if I'm getting this box of produce it's cool to do like the unboxing uh, or mm-hmm. unbagging, so to speak, because I provide bags for my members <laughs> um, that they can use every time they come. And it's just it's a nice family experience for everyone to have a say and or be able to see like how to cook and prepare something different. Yeah, I think that could be so good for kids to learn mm-hmm. too. like 
I don't have any kids, but I've heard that they can be picky eaters sometimes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, so I think maybe exposing them to interesting new things and learning together as a family yeah. could be like a really good experience. Yeah, especially early on. Mm-hmm. It's important to expose children to to this. I won't even call it different because it's only different because we are not exposed to it. But if we're raising mm-hmm. up a new generation of, of children, of people, of our, our new leaders, um, they are going it, it doesn't have to be foreign to them. It could be what's their normal. So we're, we have to create their norms and them cooking one. It has to be a norm. Um, them seeing us in the kitchen as well as parents or what have you or guardians. That needs to be a norm. And then also them growing their own food needs to be a norm. Huge and major. Like Mm -hmm. them playing in dirt in the sense of, which is fun. A lot of kids enjoy playing in dirt. And it's something that we always, Mm -hmm. I remember like growing up, we'd be like, oh, don't play in dirt. Like, no, let's play in dirt. (laughs) Like teach our kids (laughs) to play in dirt and explain to them what what they can get out of, um, of doing so. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm doing my part because... My 11-year-old is growing beans in yes, her windowsill right now. That's awesome. <laughs> and my two-year-old sticks her hands in the dirt every <laughs> chance she gets to get out on the porch. So our little West Philly porch has, you know, a couple of mostly flowers that's that we're awesome. growing. But um, but I definitely, I see that so much, especially, I know not all of our listeners are in an urban environment like we are, but um, it's... You know, again, I keep taking this to this like metaphysical direction, but like just to have this sense of like we come from the earth, we return yep. to the earth. You do get your hands into that soil. It 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 makes you have to like think about the way that you're connected and the way that we're interdependent. And I love um, like the whole model of a CSA. I know you have to have relationships with other farmers mm-hmm. to, to provide a variety, and and people are buying in as a community together. So it's just you're not just practically putting food in in people's um, homes, but you are you know you're building community and networks in so many different ways. Yeah, it's nice. I, I really enjoyed it, uh, and, and I'm enjoying it. This is this coming up is our last week of. Um, of CSA, our very first CSA that we had in Elkins Park in our new location. Um, this is this is actually our last week. This Friday is the last pickup. Um, so yeah, it's been a really cool experience. We'll start another one in two weeks, and we're already full for that. <clears throat> so it's just been nice growing for people and just giving them just ideas of where their food comes from. We're going to be ramping up our volunteer program very soon as well, so that we can also have people come out and be at the greenhouses and on the farm so they can take part, which is very important and, you know, in doing the growing. Yeah. Nice. Well, if people want to follow you on social media and tune into these classes that you're offering, um, and just get connected with Farmer John, how um, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, so we are on Instagram and on Facebook. We are Farmer John Philly uh, on Instagram. And they can also send an email. It's info at farmerjohnphilly.com. And, uh, yeah, that's the best way to reach out to us. And, and we'll have our website, uh, which gives a lot of information about all the new and exciting things that are upcoming. Mm-hmm. And you sell you sell some t-shirts. We do. We sell some t-shirts. Yeah. The, the t-shirts and the hoodies, if you can see them here. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I had some experience with designing many years ago. My brother's a graphic designer, and um, so I took those skills away. And this is actually designed by me. And nice. yeah, so we do offer the t-shirts and the sweatshirts, and all the proceeds from those go towards helping us 
uh, fund this greenhouse, this 5,000 square foot greenhouse that we're utilizing to feed tons of insecure, food insecure families in and around the city. Uh, so yeah. buying a t-shirt is one of the greatest ways that you can help support us. And in the future, we'll be opening up a much larger campaign because there is a lot of work to be done there. Um, but for now, the T-shirts are, are going to be where it's at. But please stay tuned to the website for any updates on how you can be a part of the large expansion of that greenhouse. Yeah. You say like 5,000 square feet, and I feel like my eyes want to just like crazy. pop up. Because in, <laughs> in terms of like city living, like... It, when you're thinking about houses, like I used to live in a 980 square foot house. Yes. <laughs> like all the, like there's people that live in 2,500 square foot houses and like to have 5,000 square feet that is going to be dedicated to growing food and putting healthy organic food into the bodies of uh, people in the Philadelphia area sounds is like an amazing vision. So, um, so we definitely want to, um, we're always encouraging our, our listeners to respond to these episodes with generosity. And so um, that is, is one way that they can do that, the purchase of shirts and sweatshirts yes. that would help that. But are there other ways, like either through direct giving or if you, um, I don't know if there's any other organization or giving opportunity that you have in mind that would also either support something you're doing or support something that is close to your heart. We would love to point people in that direction. You know what? Food insecurity is always going to be the biggest thing for me. And um, getting this greenhouse off the ground is going to cost upwards of $100,000 minimum. So we're just piecemealing mm -hmm. it, doing little projects. So the t-shirts is one. Um, we're having a farm to table dinner that's coming up. We'll be posting information about that in the middle of August. I'm sorry, middle of October. Um, so just stay tuned to our website. That's the major thing. And um, any direct donations, you can just send an email and we can discuss it. Because I want to make sure people know you understand exactly where their their money is going. And yeah. um, and that's really important to me and to have a connection to it as well. Um, so mm -hmm. people just throwing money at us has never been something that was most in, most pertinent for me. I want them mm -hmm. to be a part of it um, in any way that they can, even if they just have a better understanding of who I am as a person, who our company is and what our goals are. Uh, so reach mm -hmm. out to me at info at farmerjoanphilly.com. Um, you can also reach out to me through Instagram as well, which is farmerjoanphilly. And we will we'll post, um, we'll do, we have a webpage with show notes so people can just pop over to our website, everydaythinplaces.com, and we'll have all those so they can do a simple, a simple click to, to get right to you. Um, but I'm excited. Like, uh, uh, who, who wouldn't want to get to know you more yeah. and, <laughs> and, and just be inspired by your vision? So I feel incredibly grateful that um, we've had this time. Yes, thank you. That Rachel and I get to know more about you and, and, um, hear about your vision and that we get to share with other people uh because i i think you're doing an amazing thing so i mean much. i told you that <laughs> when i started like uh harassing courting you, her courting you that's not so much nicer than harassing when i started uh i guess maybe our listeners would want to know like i sent the email out to reach out because we really wanted you and then i went on facebook and i was like all right who knows who knows and Krista, it works. AKA in real life <laughs> because I really want to talk to her. And so I feel really grateful that, um, you've yeah. taken this time yeah, and, I'm it, so um, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to get up that way. Um, yes. well, I guess I can leave the boundaries of the city to make it. Up yes, to come visit. It's not too far. And come visit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for your, your time today. Yes, thank you. I so appreciate you both. Elizabeth and Rachel has been great. Thanks for joining us. Now it's our turn to hear from you. So would you do us a big favor and go into your podcast app and rate us?
Even better, would you write us a glowing review? That will help other listeners to find us. And make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. You can also visit our website at everydaythinplaces.com where you will find all sorts of fun and interesting information, as well as learn about how you can help to support this podcast and earn special exclusive perks. There you will also find links to follow us on social media or else just pop directly over to Instagram or Facebook where you will find us at Everyday Thin Places. Thanks so much for joining us today. Until next time, I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Rachel. Bye. Bye.